This was made to look innocent, but it's not. Ladies and gentlemen, viewer discretion is advised. It's the mayor. Look, so an old picture has surfaced of Diddy's son, Justin Combs, playing with Suge Knight. How in the world did this happen? Knowing that around this time that Justin Combs is a baby, that there's clearly an East Coast, West Coast beef going on. Specifically with Bad Boy and Death Row Records. Well, the baby mother of Diddy, Misa Hilton, who birthed Justin Combs, was actually dating Suge Knight during the East Coast, West Coast beef. We clearly don't get no lower than that. Maybe it was a coincidence, just bad timing, or maybe she was trying to get back at her baby father, Sean Combs. In this case, we can blame Misa Hilton for making all things possible. Now, I never heard of Suge Knight playing with Diddy's son, Justin Combs, until today. And it get any worse for Puff. Since there was already rumors that Pac did it to Faith Evans, which was Biggie's wife, a Suge Knight having affairs with Diddy's baby mother mean that Death Row won the beef between Bad Boy? That's up for you to decide, but honestly, this is incredibly disrespectful. The Shout out to Showface News. I usually give this nigga a shout out without going through none of his things. But shout out to Showface News. He's responsible for the short. Um, it's crazy. I've seen the video. And there is a picture. <coughs> Excuse me. The drugs is hitting. The joint is hitting this morning. Um, there was a video circulating with Suge Knight playing with what believes to be P. Diddy's son because Suge Knight was dealing with one of P. Diddy's baby mamas at the time. Um, this ties into the whole Faith Evans, Tupac situation. Faith Evans was with Biggie at the time. The East Coast, West Coast shit, now that I look back at it, it's bigger than music. And I think because at that time, there wasn't really internet or there wasn't really information being circulated 24-7 on what's going on. Back in those times, we wouldn't have known about Faith Evans and Tupac unless it was in an article or there was rumors about it. There wasn't internet circulating these topics. And now that we are in the age of the internet, we are in the age of the net. All of these old stories, all of these old things keep circulating. Um, But we got some shit to go through on this episode, all right? We got some shit to go through on this episode. some things to go through. Hold up, hold up, hold up. And guess what? Tango is fucking down. Tango down. Tango is fucking down. Let's get it, man.
Ready? You have the cameras rolling? Let's get it cracking, man. Jersey Judah. Matter of fact, should I? Yeah, hold up, hold up, hold up. Tweaking. I'm tweaking. I'm tweaking. I'm tweaking. We need to build a wall. This is a disclaimer. The Crimson Capsule Chapel is a podcast about awareness and self-development. Do not listen if you are weak-minded and easily offended. This podcast is from a red pill perspective. We go hard on 304s so you can understand their nature. Again, listen at your own discretion. Thank you and enjoy. Jersey Judah. Wednesday, middle of the week. Hey, yo. It's already the middle of of the week I would say it's morning time but it's technically quarter to 12 but I'm back another episode another day another edition of the Crimson Capsule Chapel alright so like, yo, um, <coughs> going to attempt to do it. I'm going to attempt to do what I did yesterday. I think I did an episode right before I went to work. It's 1145, 1146 right now. 
I pretty much got until like one forty six to do this episode. So we got two hours. I may I may pause the video briefly because I got to go in the house, grab my Bluetooth headphones, my charger and a few other things. But that's all good. For the most part, I'm ready to go, man. Ready to get this day over with. Um, yesterday was one of those days. You know, it was funny because I think I slept for maybe four hours. Not last night, but the night before. And I was wondering to myself, like, when I was recording, like, why am I so tired? And I actually had to think back, like, oh, yeah, I got three or four hours of fucking sleep. That ain't happening. So I did, like, an hour. What was an hour and two two-minute episode? We talked about a couple political things. I want to keep things sort of separated, but still all together. Y'all know how the podcast format is. There really isn't a format. Uh, my topics throughout the past couple weeks has been the Diddy situation, the Adam 22 situation, the no jumper, fig immunity world situation, some dating, some relationship videos, couple things to laugh at, simps laughing at incels, laughing at booger wolves. We're, we're just, we're a variety show. Okay. We are a variety show. All right. We are here for the people. That being said, um, since I was able to get like nine hours of sleep, I'm pretty sure I slept nine hours. I slept before one o'clock this morning. I woke up at like nine forty something. So I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. So I, I woke up, took a shower, wasted no time, had a cup of coffee, a cigarette, went back to the house, put together not only um, a playlist of things that I'm going through in the podcast, but really a playlist for what I'm listening to throughout the workday. Um, I want to tell y'all, because I haven't done that in a while. Let me let me show you guys or tell you guys what I'll be listening to today while I'm at work. And a lot of times, <coughs> not a lot of times, but sometimes if I'm listening to something and something is like very much so on point, I will actually um, I'll actually edit the video. And just clip that part. I've gotten pretty good at doing this shit. Pretty good. Not really good, but good enough. I'm like a one-man band right now. But today, I'm going to be listening to The Adam and Wax Show, which is like one of my favorite shows right now. I'm not going to lie. Especially on No Jumper. Um, the Corey Holcomb 5150 Show. Um, Showface News. Shout out to Showface News. And that's going to be talking about Diddy getting drunk as fuck on the drink champs and saying some, saying some out-of-pocket shit. I might keep that video on standby or when I go through it, I kind of timestamp some of the important things in it. And then I go back, edit, clip it, use it for the show. You know what I mean? I'm trying to give y'all like a little bit of behind the scenes, right? Um, I got Hassan Campbell uh, confronting Bullets Gotti. I'm going to assume that's a gentleman. Bullets Gotti. And then um, Young Boy versus uh, Dirk. Uh, YB versus Joe Button. I know that right there is uh, DJ Academics. Shout out to Academics. You already know. Jersey in the building. All right. That's what I'm listening to today. <coughs> but y'all don't really care about that, right? You care about the content. What are we going through on this episode? Well, I already told y'all a little bit, but there was one thing that I had missing out. 
I seen people immediately were listening to the last episode that I did, not the last episode, because I literally just uploaded that, um, the episode last night, or was it last night? No, the episode yesterday with the Crash Out Coliseum, Charleston White slash Hassan Campbell edition. This time we got Hassan Campbell interviewed by none other than DJ Vlad. As a lot of people, including Hassan Campbell, once called Culture Vulture. Now he's smiling in front of Vlad and he's doing an interview, which good for him. Because me personally, I never looked at uh, Vlad as a... I never looked at Vlad as a culture vulture. In fact, I looked at Vlad as just one of those people who um, loves the industry, who loves the music. And because he loves the industry and he loves the music, he understands the culture. So when people ask, like, yo, why all these rappers decide to get, you know, interviewed by Vlad? Because Vlad has millions of subscribers. Because Vlad is sort of the connection of the fucking hip-hop world to pop culture itself. That's DJ Vlad. A lot of people that go on DJ Vlad's channel, they know what they're doing. They know what Vlad is going to ask them. Most of the time, it's like, how else do you think interviews go? Right? Especially, like, like, for example, right? I can have a friend who works for Fox, and they're like, hey, man, I don't know how or why, but they've been listening to your podcast. They want to interview. That's my friend who got me that deal, but he's not the one involved in the interview. So it may seem good. Oh, man, these guys listen. They like what I say, but it could be a sabotage, right? Because I don't know the people interviewing me. I didn't really get a chance to briefly sit down and introduce myself and tell them what my shit is all about. All of that is going to be running on camera. But that's the whole idea of entertainment in that sense, sort of out of nowhere questions. But we're going to get into that. But first, first two videos we got. um, First video we got is from the Art of Dialogue, and that is uh, the interview with Gene, uh, Gene Deal, right? Um, Puffy. And I'm going to say Puffy because this is during the Puffy era. Puffy's bodyguard when or right around the time and before the time Biggie was killed. So he's going to be talking about Bad Boy. And why Diddy talked bad about the making the band members behind the scenes. And from his point of view, he said that Diddy wasn't going to do nothing with these guys regardless, which... Is it a surprise? No. Um, look at Making the Band. Look at the show Making the Band with Diddy. And look at that in itself as the music industry. Where around the world, a guy like Diddy with the power like Diddy may have an interest in you. He may promote you a little bit. He wants to see what you're about. But for the sake of entertainment... <clears throat> and we know how reality TV works, right? But Making the Band was a very popular show. I remember watching that show growing up. Making the Band. And not the one, not the one with Danny D. Kane, 
because I believe there was one where women were competing to make an R&B, uh, an R&B group, which ended up being Dan Danny Kane. This was the band with, um, I forgot the, the people on there. I know Dylon. Everybody remembers Dylon Dillinger. I spit hot fire. Okay. Boom, 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 boom. Dylon Dillinger, <clears throat> Frederick. I remember Frederick. I remember, uh, what's the one dude? Chopper City. Um, there was one woman, Sarah, I think. She never had her last. It was a light-skinned woman. She was very attractive at that time. Um, it was a light-skinned woman. It was a couple other people that were a part of this band. And the premises of the show, it's like, you know, the premises of the show is like real world, <clears throat> real world meets BET. It's like the BET real world, but it's all with music. So niggas is fighting over music and shit like that. But Diddy apparently never had real care to invest in them long term. We got that. And we have Jason Lee turns on Diddy. Jason Lee is a gay uh, blogger, homosexual blogger, whatever. However people look at it, I'm not trying to offend people, but I'm saying he is gay. Um, I know of him from an academic stream. <clears throat> Academics, Academics was talking about... Um, Nicki Minaj. And there was a time when Nicki Minaj was trying to line up academics, believe it or not. Um, Nicki Minaj allegedly tried to line up academics over music shit because, you know, uh, academics is very direct about his the music he likes, the music he doesn't like. He's in a position to honestly like ruin some careers if he wanted to. Like, if an album's trash, he'll tell you the album's trash, right? So, in the same way that Nicki Minaj tried to line up academics, allegedly, Nicki Minaj also tried to line up this uh, gay blogger, um, content creator, Jason Lee. Now, when I heard the name Jason Lee, I'm like, wait, is... uh is the guy from My Name is Earl coming out of the closet. Because, you know, Jason Lee is a professional skateboarder. Also starred in the show. Um, what's that shit? Something with Earl. I forgot. But I, I got it. I got the people confused. But this guy, he black. Although he might be Hispanic, part Hispanic, not 100% sure. He allegedly was somewhat in the circle or knew about what was going on with Diddy. And we're going to be going through that as well. And like I said, at the end, we got Hassan Campbell. We got the first eight minutes of the Vlad interview. You know how Vlad is. This is why Vlad is a genius. Vlad will do a two-hour interview with somebody, okay? He'll only release snippets of that interview periodically throughout the week. He did an interview with uh, Wack 100. This was another person, Wack 100, who had issues and who had problems with um, DJ Vlad. Same sort of, same sort of allegations, right? Allegations involving two things. Um, number one, 
the allegation of Being the culture vulture, you know, being a person who doesn't really care about the culture, doesn't care about hip hop and shit like that. But he turned a new leaf. But what Vlad does, what Vladimir does, okay, he releases like three clips a week. And then like two weeks later, he'll finally release the interview, which is genius because each clip is guaranteed to get over a thousand, a hundred thousand views. The interview is probably going to go up to 500,000 views. And this is both for Hassan Campbell and WAC 100. I want to go through both, um, which we're already technically going through Hassan Campbell's like first eight minutes. Is it eight minutes? Yeah, first eight minutes, 47 seconds. Matter of fact, um, let's go through that now. The video is called Hassan Campbell on getting shot in the Bronx last week, in parentheses, part one. Shout out to Vlad, Vlad TV. All right, here we go. Today we have one of the most controversial figures on the internet, Hassan Campbell. Welcome to Vlad TV. <laughs> finally, finally, let's go, let's go, let's go. All right, so <laughs> I don't want to butcher this. I'm not. This is only eight minutes. I don't want to make. I don't want to drag this. But the whole story of Hassan Campbell, from where he was at in front of the camera. Because this is a big deal. This is this is next to academics the biggest platform that Hassan Campbell has reached. Right, he's been on Doggy Diamonds a couple times, pretty big platform, but more or less New York based, the sort of New York oriented areas. Ack, different. Ack's a blogger. Ask the Jersey niggas. Shout out to the Jersey niggas. Shout out to the bloggers. His environment is in Jersey, but it ain't far from New York. So it's still the elements. I believe this is also in New York, but Vlad's platform is on another level. So, you know, you can hear the excitement and I'm not trying to throw shade or anything. I mean, you can, I'm just saying you can hear the excitement in Hassan's voice because he knows who Vlad is, all right? Let's get it. Let's go. Well, I want to get into your whole story, but before I do, something very serious happened recently. Cool. So I want to cover that. The nigga shit. Go so ahead. Get into the nigga shit. What exactly shit. happened go ahead. in the Bronx? Go ahead. About a week ago or so. Coonan. Niggas was Coonan. Well, um... Coonan. Coon life. I found myself in a, a very, very depressed state. I was in the house on... I was actually like going over to Cassie in, in, in the P. Diddy situation and it took me back to a bad place with the Africa Bambada story. So for me, after drinking all night, like literally all night, I found myself in Bronx River and setting up my camera and N-word. just venting <laughs> like... I really pretty Cooning. much was just um crashing out, cooning, letting off some steam because I feel like crashing the out. elders in Bronx River projects failed me. Nigga shit. So I went back to the original place of where my pain started, which was Bronx River. I crash out over this shit, nigga. You don't yeah. play with me like that, nigga. Hold up, shout out to Wack. I got the short version. 
I crash out over this shit, nigga. Okay? The nigga was on a crash out mission. We covered it here. He was on a crash out mission. You know it. I know it. He's talked about this live, but this is on a bigger platform. So we're going to let the brother speak. Maybe he says some different. Maybe he says something different. And I don't mean this in the sense that, yes, Hassan Campbell has a lot of hypocritical elements. I mean, Charleston White is a walking contradiction. We can we can pretty much agree at this point. Not to say that I'm not going to listen to uh uh, I'm not going to listen to Charleston White. I think a lot of shit he says is funny. And he's always going to be um, mentioned within the realm of the Crash Out Coliseum. But we're not doing crash outs on this episode. We're going into Hassan Campbell's mind. When the situation took place, he ends up in Bronx River Projects. A place that he would, I'm sure that he would consider his stomping grounds growing up. He pretty much was kind of drawn into the life of criminality. Where like he was, he was in a way pulled in to the life of criminality, right? Um, the Africa Bambata alleged situation. The only reason why I'm saying alleged is I don't know the situation 100%. And I'm not here to point the finger. I'm only out here just to explain. Okay. From that point, you know, everything, you know, the mental health situation, the streets, this idea that, you know, at 40 something years old, you still have something to prove to niggas in the streets is embarrassing. I'm 35. When I was 20, even when I was 25, I didn't give a shit about what niggas thought about me out here because I wasn't out here like that. I was moving around. Why would I why would I go to an environment that I felt the most enclosed to? And when I feel that when I say that I'm the most enclosed to or the most enclosed in, it's an environment that offers nothing. Right. It's it's an environment like every other environment that is predominantly black, the black community. It's an environment geographically. It's an environment metaphysically where there is little to no opportunity. The only opportunity is crime. There's not a lot of black male role models, which is why the situation with Hassan Camel hits different because he looked at Africa Bambata as that role model. And what allegedly happened ruined that for Hassan Campbell and tying that into a lot of his personal situations that he mentions that I'm not going to go deep into. You know, it really is, you know, the cause of the crash out that we've seen in that live video on that episode of the crash out Coliseum projects, the home of Africa Bambada, the home of myself. And in the process of that, I already had some tension with the neighborhood. So with me um, calling dudes out and just my brain was like in suicide mode. There it is. I'm outside in the middle of the projects. There it is. Nothing. To- there it is. There it is. 
I'll crash out over this shit, nigga. You don't Dearly. play with me like that, nigga. <clears throat> there it is. It's right in front of you. He just explained it. He was on a suicide mission. First of all, he, he went to the projects. And you can see at one point, if you watch the video, you can see that he had a knife. He went to the projects with just a knife. Niggas was drawing bottles at him from the buildings. I ain't gonna lie. The fact that he didn't get hurt at that point made it funny. I thought it was just funny because he was just, he was like, he was spurging. He was spurging out. He was going in, blacking out on live. And in the comment section, <coughs> people like, because keep in mind, this was allegedly a live video. I didn't catch it live. I caught someone else playing it and going live on their channel, which I didn't know how that was even possible, but whatever. I think he like screen captured it. I think he ended up screen capturing the live <coughs> and then playing the live back after the situation happened. But yeah, it's, it's a fucked up situation, man. But definitely crash out worthy. Check myself with a pocket knife and I'm, I'm, in, the, I'm in the lion's den. Mm. Where there's nothing but shooters calling out the shooters and they came outside and they shot. And I felt myself uh, hop, skipping and jumping to the hospital. You know, once that bullet hit me, my brain went to survival mode. Okay, so so let's talk about what led up to this. So you went out to the Bronx River Projects, like you said, where you're from. And you had your friend, Mr. Checkmate, right? No, he wasn't with me. Oh, he was. What happened was... He heard he he spoke to me on the phone before I got over there, and he heard the state that I was in. So what he did was immediately, once he heard where I was going, he was like he was in a house. He had a stomach virus. He was throwing up. He had diarrhea. So he just ran out of the house and made his way over there immediately. And you know, so now I'm on the camera. I'm looking at my camera, and at some point. I remember him coming up the side of me and he's like, yo, let's get out of here. And I'm still yelling at the camera. So he pointed in the direction of the shooters and I looked and I faced him. And um, that's when when he hit the fan. So, all right, this is this is weird, but I'm going to just ask a few questions. Number one, the nigga that, you know, told him, let's go. The people like that are the people that shouldn't have friends like Hassan Campbell. And I hate to say it like that. If you're sick, throwing up, can barely get up and walk, right? And you find out your friend is on a fucking suicide mission. And regardless of the situation, you say to yourself, okay, you know what? I got to go out here. I got to I got to make sure, you know, my homie is straight, right? Only for you to go out and see a nigga really crash out in front of you. You see the shooter, you show up. You show up at the nick of time to where you see the shooters come out. And you're able to go to him somehow, you're able to somehow move quickly or run or whatever to this man and say, yo, we got to get out of here. 
and that nigga is still talking in front of the camera and not moving, I would have left. I did my part, brother. <laughs> I did my part, brother. Especially if I don't have my flashlight. You know what I mean? If I don't have the everlasting light, if I don't have any firepower, that's everlasting light. If I don't have the everlasting light on me, you on your own, brother, because I'm already cra- I'm crashing out trying to prevent you from crashing out when you're already crashing out. Street niggas know what I'm saying. That's crazy. Okay, so I saw the video. So you're in front of the projects and you have your your phone set up and, and you're screaming and you're really upset. And at some point, did someone throw a bottle at you? Four. Yes. Somebody was still. Yo, niggas threw like, I think niggas threw four bottles, bro. And it was just like, it came out of nowhere. But you already knew what it was. I thought he was going to get, I thought they was literally going to start shooting at him. And then I thought he was just going to end the live and leave or some shit. That's what I thought. Because when I seen the live video, it was from someone else who said Hashan Campbell shot at the end of the live stream. So I'm like, nah, get the fuck out of here. And sure enough, man. The bottle out the window, um, threw a few bottles. And see, now that's how you know I wasn't in my right frame of mind. Because the way the bottle hit the floor, if that would have hit my brain, I probably would have been in a vegetable state coming from the um, higher up floors. Hell yeah. So now I'm yelling, there's bottles fluffing, there's bottles flying at my head. Crash out. And I'm not budging. Nigga, crash out. And I'm like, <laughs> kind of saying, come outside. I thought I'm outside. Nigga. So, you know. As the bottles is being thrown, distracting me, the shooters is creeping up the hill. Mm. So now this is where checkmate comes in and he sees me and um, he makes me turn and look like, look, I looks into the direction. So now the, the me throwing the, the, the bottles being thrown rather at me. Now I turn away from that. And now I'm actually seeing the shooters come up. So when they see me and they see him the way he was positioned, the way I'm positioned, from my reputation, they pretty much thought I had a gun on me. So they was hesitant to actually walk up. So what they did was they shot at me from halfway through the projects, like the top of the hill. Okay. And like I said, I, I watched the video and you were talking really reckless. <laughs> Shout out to Vlad, yo. Hey, yo, Vlad bugging. <laughs> you were talking real reckless. Fair. You were like, I'm going to go out with everybody, step outside. I don't give a fuck who got a problem. I'm here. Uh, I'll stab your ass to death. I'll throw your mother down a flight of stairs. I'll kill Classic, everybody. classic content. Yo, classic content. You got these old head, crackhead niggas out here playing some wild ass. Yo, niggas out here burnt, man. Everybody, I dare Shit. you, et cetera, et cetera. Is that, is that accurate? Absolutely. Okay. Bugging. So when you were yelling this, were you yelling this at the guys throwing the, the bottles at you or the guys that were approaching you? Well, the, I didn't see the guys approaching me. But for the most part, in my mind... I was like, in, 
to be honest with you, it was like I was in a suicide state. I was in a suicidal state of mind in that state, not in the state that I'm in now. The, the alcohol took me to a dark place of me being molested and me just going through all shit, of nigga. the emotions of the people in Bronx River abandoning me, never standing shit, by me, never speaking up in a situation. Like, because we we, we going to get into how Bronx River is is like Africa Bambada was the boogeyman and the hero at the same time. And everybody used to whisper, keep your kids away from them. But whoa, they used to see kids whoa, with them and wouldn't whoa, snatch those kids away whoa, from them. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Okay. So you're yelling at the dudes at the, you know, in the building that are throwing the bottles and you're daring them to come down and threatening to kill everyone and so forth. The guys start to approach you. Do you know who these guys are? They had masks on. Oh, they had masks on. Okay. And they shoot you while you're standing there or when you're actually in the car? While I'm standing there. See, that's okay. the crazy part about YouTube because everybody felt... Now, watch watch how this situation unfolds. And the reason I'm saying this is... You know what I've always talked about when people say about Vlad. Oh, you know, Vlad's the feds. Vlad's police. Vlad's trying to lock niggas up. Vlad's not paying niggas for the interview, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Not only I can guarantee you Hassan Camel got paid a healthy amount for this interview. I'm telling you, I can guarantee you he got paid a healthy amount for that interview. Just like how he said in one of his videos, we went over this shit yesterday, right? Where he was talking about um, Takashi 69 is his favorite rat because the interview that he had got got him uh, $10,000. So if you get 10000 and that's the interview with, I think, with Ack. If Ack is just throwing 10 like that, what do you think Vlad's throwing for this interview? At least 15. I'm thinking 15. I'm not saying all this to say that Vlad is police because I don't think he is. I'm not saying to say that uh, Hassan Campbell is snitching because he isn't. What I'm saying is people are going to put two, two and two together and say some bullshit like, look, Hassan Campbell talking to Vlad, so you know Hassan Campbell can be talking to the police. If you talking to Vlad, you already talking to the police. These niggas are, yo, these white boys are culture vultures. Culture vultures. The culture vulture. Shut up. Alright? First of all, if a nigga's gonna crash out on camera... You could pretty much throw any possibility of what he's not going to do out the window. He's willing to do anything. Um, that's number one. Number two, uh, Vlad being the police and him asking these questions. And, you know, Hassan Campbell's telling you straight up, yeah, the niggas had masks and they came up and did this and did that. And depending on how you look at the situation, even if 
even if this man has already talked to the police or not talked to the police in the sense of telling what happened, but maybe how the situation occurred or if the person can't don't know the identity of the people that he's not really snitching on the people. He's snitching on the scenario. He's snitching on uh, the perpetration rather than the perpetrators. You dig still on a street element. A nigga that's from the hood is going to listen to this shit and go. This nigga's writing. That's how that's how this shit works. Like that was edited when they when, when they actually started pulling the guns out for somehow YouTube just froze that whole part out during a live and then it continued on when I got back in the car. I can't explain that. Do you have YouTube have to explain that one? Alright, so there is a element of spookiness involved in this. Flacco allegedly pointed out the fact that this was in fact pre-recorded. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but I think it's a worthy argument. There's no way that the feds are going to go, hey, we got Hassan Campbell crashing out. The shooters are coming up. Let's pause the video. Like, that's not happening. He's on some crazy. This is this is like crazy man talk. Real talk. This is this is some crazy man shit. He believes, and, and this is one of these Negroes, and I got to be honest, and this is, I support him and like 45% of the things he does and talk about. The street shit, that's cool. Like, I'm not, I'm not turning down a crash out. If niggas crashing out, then niggas is crashing out. But if you're talking about bringing people together and teaching the children and doing that, I'm on board with that shit too. But there has to be <clears throat> a separation of the two. You would have to part ways. You could still be a nigga from the hood, right? Go through the things you go through. But if you teaching kids something or if you trying to educate and, and, and enlighten the youth, you can't really bring that. You can't bring too much of that street element out. You don't want to promote killers and drug dealers, but it's too late. Right. The only people that have the power over the children are the parents. They're going to tell you, like, yeah, you can't listen to that. You can't watch this. You can't watch that until you reach an age to where you can mature or you have matured to where you can accept what is what, what's entertainment and what's reality. That's what's not being broken down. The same thing, the same judgment I have towards Hassan Campbell, I have towards Charleston White. But Charleston White is even bigger of an issue because he's older and he's kind of still going along with the shock value shit. Um, apparently he's going back and forth with say cheese TV. Um, this is the man that's pretty much put Charleston, Charleston white's name in mass media, black media, and within a lot of the, the black space, if you will, when it comes to blogger and hip hop and criticism and shit like that, which really is just, uh, gossip and a lot of dirt sheets. Um, what ended up taking place was, I guess, Charleston White now is going back and forth with, with Say Cheese, and now he's talking shit about him, but in all actuality, if it wasn't for him, Charleston White wouldn't have um, an interview with over a million views. I think that interview, I believe, I could be wrong, I think that interview is the interview that kind of took Charleston White over the top. 
And that's the only interview that he has that got over a million. I think like 1.2, I think. Could be 1.2 million views. You tie that into some of his other interviews or some of his other clips, you know, he may touch 100,000. So that's a big jump from having live videos and talking shit, getting 100,000 views to going on a bigger platform known for hip hop, known for media and everything else, and just rocketing to 1.2 million. But now he's going back and forth with them. And like I said, and this is just me being honest, and I'm, of course I'm going to make this two parts because I'm going to wrap this up in 15 minutes. And then, you know, the part two to this or segment two, I'll have this uploaded by 3 p.m. Hopefully. I'm just saying that to myself and not to y'all. Um, I point out this element that both Charleston White and Hassan Campbell have in common. And what it is, it's a couple of things. One is they don't have they don't have close ties to many people because of the things they talk about. They'll do more to separate themselves from others who are similar than have a conversation and to work and deal with people consistently. That's the thing. Um, Charleston white doing an interview is cool. Charleston white doing two interviews is cool. But if you don't have uh, a brand or if you don't have a platform or if you don't have a group of people pushing your projects and pushing your podcast and pushing your promotion, then what's the whole point? You're you would just be dependent on whoever's out there to interview. And because your name isn't really that great. I mean, your name in, in the sense of entertainment is different. Because I'm not a 14-year-old. I think the nigga shit is funny. I think a lot of shit he says is funny. When he tries to get into black activist mode, that's kind of when I tune out. Because now you're just pointing out the hypocrisies of yourself within trying to point out the hypocrisies of others. Everybody is a perpetrator. Everybody is a hypocrite in their own way. That's the thing about humanity. Um, That's the thing about God. That's the thing about sins. Everybody has participated in certain types of sin, right? Um, One is never really worse than the other. Sin is sin. You understand? So when you are doing bad, but you're pointing out somebody else for doing worse, it just makes you hypocritical. If you joke around, quote unquote, joke around about uh, baping, that's my new word, instead of rape, baping white women, then yeah, we don't want to really hear anything about you wanting to protect women because because you're you're a hypocrite and the the audience, they kind of just want the crash out. Hassan Campbell, some of the people that Hassan Campbell worked closely with and was a big part of him getting his name out there was Queens Flip. Shout out to Queens Flip. He's now working with Joe Budden with the Joe Budden podcast. Um, Doggy Diamonds. Shout out to Doggy Diamonds, New York, New York, stand up, all five boroughs out there, even in the state, Albany, Rochester, all that, you know, um, these like, like <laughs> these platforms were a part of Hassan Campbell getting the recognition that he's getting. 
Now, he doesn't, he probably will say it now because I think he's kind of matured enough through the situation. But he probably wouldn't have said it before. He wouldn't want to acknowledge it before. I heard the back and forth between him and Queens Flip. And I was just like, wow, man. Niggas is off the hook. I hear Hassan Campbell and Clubhouse. I'm like, damn, niggas is off the hook. Like, wherever he goes, there's a level of drama that comes with it. You know, I don't think, you know, and this, and I think the DJ Vlad interview will probably put him more in that direction of, okay, I can handle business differently amongst different people. I don't got to bring the hood element to the suburbs. I don't got to bring the hood element to the workplace. When you go to the workplace or when you go to somewhere uh, professionalism, you are professional. You are organized. You are well-spoken. You know what I'm saying? I think this this is going to help Hassan more than more than harm. I think he's just going to have to deal with a lot of the haters, a lot of the criticism. Like, oh, you talk to Vlad, you talk to police. He's going to deal with that. But I think if he's just like, you know, tunnel vision, if he's thinking about the bigger picture, he's going to definitely come out on top. Pause. Right. Because the shooting part you're talking about is not actually on video. No. Okay. And was it two shots? I believe it was on four, but they, the police only recovered two shells. Okay. So four shots get fired. You get hit in the shoulder? Right here. And the bullet traveled to my back over here, and that's where it was taken out at. Okay. Have you ever been shot before? Yeah, I've been, I've been shot prior to this, so when um, <laughs> Of course. <laughs> of course, nigga. Like, yeah. What do you think? That's that's what he should have said. <laughs> I crashed out over this shit, nigga. You don't yeah. play with me like that, nigga. He's the first guy in the streets. He came to me. He hustled, he sold drugs to me. I've seen him do it. I crashed out over this shit, nigga. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I've been shot, nigga. What? Yeah, I've been shot. I was shot in the year, what, 2000? 2000, 2000, I was shot Thuggery. before. Thuggery. And um, when I got to the hospital, when they did the x-rays, they was kind of confused because there was, you know, more more than one bullet. I, I actually had bullets in me, so yeah. Okay. So you, you've gotten shot before, so you've been through this situation somewhat. Yes. Um, so once you get shot, and you got your man with you, what happens to the shooters? Do they run off or do they want to finish the job? Well, um, <laughs> after the shooter shot, it was it was two it was two guys, one gun. Unless the other one didn't pull his gun out, they started passing the gun back and forth. And um once I seen that, I'm like I'm thinking to myself, like, look at these clowns. <laughs> That's all I could think to myself. Like they said, you know, they sent amateurs. These dudes couldn't even finish the job. You, you you walking up on a dude that's 47 years old, fat, intoxicated, and screaming at the camera, ain't even looking, and you shoot from halfway down the block and don't even finish the job. Like amateurs. I per- I, per- I personally didn't. Yo. <laughs> Yo, that's a sign, man. That's a sign for you, man. This nigga don't give a fuck. That's a sign for you. We get ready to move on to the next videos, but we're going to actually um, 
do another segment, you dig? But uh, I wanted to briefly talk about this within eight minutes to wrap this up. Going back to what I was talking about in comparison with Charleston White and Hassan Campbell, they can never find either they're not loyal themselves or others are not loyal to them. And I'm not going to say either or with either person, but that's a big factor, right? Other people who are able to circulate, you know, their information and kind of reach different people. Like to me, if. And this is why you'll never see Charleston White or you'll never see Hassan Campbell talking to uh, a Seth Rogen. Or not Seth Rogen, a Joe Rogan. What the? You'll never see those people reach that level to talk to a Joe Rogan. They'll talk to Vlad because Vlad's shit is connected to hip-hop, connected to the culture. <clears throat> Excuse me. If Charleston White wasn't the way that Charleston White is, he would have also got to the bag by doing work with DJ Vlad. That's reality. But because Charleston White is kind of his own, and, and both both people have that similarities where they're kind of their own worst enemy, where if they only toned down certain things, they'd be able to benefit. When you're crashing out, you, you're in your 40s crashing out. Charleston White, 52, right? It's old heads crashing out. When you get to that Sotomayor effect or the Sotomayor syndrome, shout out to Tommy Sotomayor. The Sotomayor syndrome is you get to a point where like Tommy Sotomayor was at at one point of his career. He had to constantly reinvent himself because at first he was the king of controversy. And tell me I'm wrong. You can go back and do your research. He dubbed himself as the king of controversy. But every time a situation goes left for him, it always comes back to, I don't go out there and look for drama. You're the king of controversy. Of course you go out there and look for drama. But he wanted to shy away from it, so he toned down from it. Then he was more of the debater. Then he came back, Sotomayor, the debater. And he would have one-on-ones. I remember the one-on-one he had with um, Hassan Campbell. Infamous. Matter of fact, we could go through that in the near future. Because I find it very funny. And the reason why those two were beefing was idiotic. Because what ended up happening with Hassan Campbell is he started to say a lot of the things that Tommy Sotomayor would say. He would say some of the same exact things that Tommy Sotomayor says, except when Tommy Sotomayor says it, he's a coon. But when Hassan Campbell says it, he's just saying it. There's a lot of elements of that. And the point I'm making is, I think Hassan Campbell has a a better shot, only if he looked at it that way, he would have a better shot of being a household name and getting what he needs to say across on his platform if he only extended the olive branch. All he would have to do. You got a lot of street niggas that's against you 
but you may also have a lot of street niggas that are with you and they understand what you're trying to say. And they also might understand that you just may not have the right way of saying it, but they can understand what you're trying to illustrate. And that's all that matters. You get to a point to where you're 50 something years old and you got to just argue with niggas 24 seven just to get your name across. Or you got to drag somebody's name through the mud just to get your shit across. You know, it's kind of looked at childish. You 50 something years old and the only time you're being noticed is when you're in controversy. That is the Sotomayor syndrome, the Sotomayor effect where a person's only popular when they're crashing out. And I hopefully Hassan Campbell doesn't get to that point. You dig? Hopefully that is not the situation with Sir Hassan Campbell. All right. But uh, yeah, this is segment one of this episode. We still got fuckery. You know that, right? I actually went through these videos backwards because it shout out to Vlad TV on YouTube. We got we got Gene Dill and we got Jason Lee. Let me go over these content creators because I have the content creators on my notes this time. Very professional about this. Um, we got we got shout out to DJ Vlad once again. Uh, Fifi Spills. That's going to be the Jason Lee video connected to Jason Lee. The Art of Dialogue. That's going to be connected to the video we're going through next with uh, Gene Dill, former bodyguard of P. Diddy. Then, later on tonight, we got uh, Living a Life of Abundance. I haven't went through this channel in quite some time. I lost access to this channel when they took away... um, They didn't take away my... Yeah, they, they terminated. Yeah, they terminated my account. They definitely terminated my account and channel from YouTube. So, I lost access to a lot of different content creators because I just forgot. But we have living a life of abundance. That's dealing with a man who finds out that the child that he thought was his wasn't sues the woman. I didn't know that was possible, but that's going to be going on later on. And um, the Doc Rich situation, we got shit heating up in Chicago. Salute to Chicago. Chirac. The black residents in Chirac and in Chicago are waking up and they're chanting for Trump. How many fucking times do I got to predict this shit? You people just don't listen. That's the problem. You people just don't listen. That's that's the only problem with this situation. Now. The black folks in Chicago, once again, are speaking up. They're speaking up. They're speaking out. They want the other white man back. How many times do I have to say this? The blacks aren't siding with Joe Biden. It's not happening. But I don't want to get too deep into the political thing. We'll do that later on. But as of this recording, as of this segment, segment one is concluded. Stay tuned. Do not move. Segment two is coming up now to be continued. Segment two, we're going to start off with some tunes, man. We're going to continue with some tunes. My bad. 
quick tune real quick, you know what I mean? They want the creme de la creme, the chad de la chad. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? We're going to start out with some jam real quick. A little jam. jam as we in the afternoon right now man damn son where'd you find this right there segment two i'm back once again continuing this episode we went through the hassan campbell uh part one interview with dj vlad shout out to vlad tv shout out to dj vlad do not take this shit down man come on man let a nigga shine you know what i'm saying um yeah we we we, we went over that now we got more fuckery. We got more of Diddy Dirty Money's situation. Do I have to play this? You lucky. 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 I was just about to play this shit again. You already know what I was about to play. This that Dirty Money. Alright. Diddy Dirty Money added again with the shenanigans. Well, not really. At this point... It's really just the backfire and the continuation of the situation that's been going on. That's been more of a thing now due to uh, the Cassie situation, Cassandra Ventura situation. 
the settlement, the settlement, all right? The 30 to 50 million settlement, all right? Okay? And um, this, like I said, like academics has said, which academics happens to be the only other person talking about the situation, a can of worms, a domino effect, if you will. You have the parties. You have the party parties. And then you have the straight up freak offs. The freak offs. Oh, that's different. The party parties is extreme. Like you'll find. I think like the party parties is like you see two women making out. Oh, okay, that's the party party word. Okay. That's the only thing you're seeing. But then behind the scenes, you got two men making out. Why are you gay? You got a lot of you got a lot of homoerotic, homo homosexual, hyper homosexuality going on at the freak offs. They got the lube. They got the baby oil. There was documents about this. I'm not making this shit up. I swear. This shit is that crazy. You had Mark Curry. We talked about the brother before. Now I'm heating up. I got momentum now. We got Mark Curry talking about throwing fucking, throwing fucking drinks, throwing fucking drugs and bitches drinks. And to him, he said, oh, that's just normal. That's what niggas was doing. Oh, yeah, Bill Cosby did it, but Bill Cosby did it too much. That's why he got caught. Only in America. Miss Mark Curry, this, dude, that nigga said this. Former artist with Bad Boy, about to get signed. I think, I think he got signed from her. I don't know what the fuck happened with that. All I know was we went through an old clip. Nothing, not, not even connecting the dots, right? We went through an old clip when he was promoting his book, Dancing with the Devil, how Diddy burned the bad boys of hip hop. I think that's what it's called. I could be wrong. Um, People like Professor Griff, shout out to Professor Griff. He was pointing this shit out with other niggas like Quincy Jones, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly said Quincy Jones was getting down. This shit crazy. This shit's crazy. But anyway, now we got a little lighthearted thing going on with uh, Gene Dill talking about uh, Diddy's uh, making the band, the cast of making the band, the artist of making the band, and how Diddy felt about the band. Was you working for Diddy around the time that he was doing making the band? Uh, I went there from from 99 to about 2004 to 2005, something like that. I was there when Danny came there and some of Ness, some of the things, Ness, a couple of those guys that were still around because they was writing and doing some things. But I was there for part of it. When the camera was off, how was he treated? Like he wasn't. No, nah, he had no plans. That's all. That was all from uh, MTV show. That was all for MTV show, bro. <laughs> he had no plans for them. Not at all. 
he really had no plans for Danny the King. Yeah. And they sold records. I think Danny the King, hold up. <coughs> I can't look nothing up at the moment. But I think Danny the King, if I'm not mistaken, Danny the King was, um, was touring at that time too. So Danny the King was a popular group. Um, but has, as I like to call them, they were kind of like, I call them sort of the clones of Pussycat Dolls, right? Um, for those out there who know who the Pussycat Dolls are, <coughs> they kind of had a similar sound. They had the hip hop, more of the hip hop element than the R&B pop element. So that kind of worked for them. Um, they had some momentum, but I guess, you know, ultimately they weren't looked at in top priority at that time. Who knows? And I, I, that's why I, I said that thing about what he had said, because I think it's the parents or somebody was getting at him. They were the parents, the management or whatever, like that was getting at him hard. And that's when he made that statement that I had said, I said, he said, Yo, they keep effing with me. I'm going to drug all of them up and pimp them out to my neck. Yo, yo, whoa, 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 whoa. Nigga, what? <laughs> and I said that on your show before. So he didn't have no real plans for them. Not at all. You see what happened after the MTV went off. Mm. If you had plans for him, you the super producer. Somebody should have been all right. So he was just playing games with him. When he was making them go walk to get cheesecake and all that, that was all. Yeah, that was classic. That's his ego. Classic episode. A classic show, classic segment, classic episode. Making a band where they had to walk. What's, where did they walk? To Brooklyn, I think. They had to walk to Brooklyn to get a cheesecake for Diddy. And I remember this shit because they were literally walking across the bridge and shit. I'm like, yo, these, they got, these niggas really cooning. They out here bugging out for a record deal on national television. See, the exploitation of that shit today wouldn't fly. Because even niggas today, like, niggas today are more like, in the music world, it's more of a street element. So you wouldn't find niggas that, that are going to walk and get shit for anybody. They're like, fuck it, nigga. We're going to try to go independent. Fuck Diddy. They're like, that's, that's street niggas, though. They're going to say, yo, fuck Diddy. We're going independent. You know what I mean? So for niggas like that today, that whole walking for anybody for anything is is out of the question. Nigga, you got legs, brother. Like, your legs are more expensive than mine. <laughs> Make it do what it do. But see, they had niggas out here tweaking back in the day. Tweaking. You know what I'm saying? That's his ego. Then he'll sit back in the in in in, in the studio. Cause he had like a like a big room, whereas that with this giant television, we used to eat up in there. 
And <laughs> it was, it's like. Thuggery. Sometimes artists are going there. Thugging. And write, you know what I'm saying? Jennifer Lopez, they were going there with a writer and write a song or something like that. It was, it was a cool room. Uh, he would go in there and just talk about, you know, all kinds of crazy shit about people or whoever it was. You know what I mean? Especially those kids. What was he saying? You know, it was just regular bullshit. You know, like, who was hot, who was not. You know what I'm saying? Understandable. Uh, he couldn't wait till this shit was over with. Stuff like that. That's, that's how it was, bro. He was getting all the money from that. If them, if they was getting a hundred dollars a day, I'd be I'd be remiss. Damn. They wasn't even making a hundred dollars a day, man. They they couldn't get they couldn't get none of his time. They really couldn't get his time. Only one could get his his time. I think it was Ness, and Ness was doing some writing for him. That's the only that's the only time Ness could get time. Because Ness was writing songs for him. You got to realize he's doing his album, he's doing his stuff. So he's using that to get their publishing. Them kids is having nightmares right now, bro, for that cheesecake going over the Brooklyn Bridge, walking all the way over there, hoping that they was going to get a deal, hoping they was going to do something with him. And he had no plan doing none of that shit. Negative, eliminated. It's not funny, man. Shit, hilarious. Fuck out of here. Fuck is you talking about, brother? No, 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 no. What's the devil? Okay, hold up, hold up. That's great music. Okay, okay. That's the gay guy. That's Jason Lee. All right, cool. Um, yeah, no, 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 sir. That shit was hilarious. Mm. If niggas was really willing to reach a point in life where they say, "Fuck it," we need a record deal, we need something. And Diddy's gonna give us that opportunity. All we gotta do is walk to another borough within the five boroughs of New York City and get Diddy a cheesecake. I can remember the episode like it was yesterday, right? These, I think it was raining too. It was raining too as well. Or was it snowing? It was snowing or it was raining. Niggas was bugging. Yes, that shit was funny. It was hilarious. That's why it was on television. That's why people like you are asked about it. Respectfully. Nigga, that shit was hilarious. Anyway. Yeah, Diddy really didn't have too many plans for that many artists outside of Biggie. And I want y'all to pay attention to the game. Outside of Biggie Smalls, there was little circulation. Niggas, even like niggas like uh, Craig Mack, niggas love Craig Mack, right? He didn't get the credibility that he deserves in a lot of ways. There's a lot of, there was a lot of things going on in Bad Boy. Uh, Loon, look where Loon is at. Look him up. But now we got Jason Lee spilling the tea. Spilling the tea with Jason Lee. How about that? He gay. He's a gay man. He's he's a homosexual hip hop blogger who I connected the dots from uh, with academics because from that point, 
uh, academics was pointing out the fact that um, Nicki Minaj, who was also trying to go after Ack, allegedly, was also trying to bring the goons at Jason Lee, allegedly. But now he's talking about Diddy. Let's dive into it. Pause. Diddy was the devil. He creates great music. So does R. Kelly. Do you know they say when there's a smoke, there's a fire and baby Diddy House is on fire. Jason Lee has turned on Diddy guys and he spilled some hot tea. The same Jason who was doubting Cassidy when she first filed her lawsuit against Diddy. Do you remember these tweets from Jason when Cassie first filed her lawsuit? Diddy. Jason just made a U-turn and is all of a sudden spilling the Diddy tea on his Hollywood Unlocked podcast. Diddy tea podcast. See this coming? Here's what Jason has to say. Diddy. I didn't get a chance to speak on it, but I'm going to speak on it today. Diddy and his multiple assault cases. Now, you all know that this broke the internet when Diddy, Sean Diddy, Puff Daddy Combs, love, brother love. Brother love. Ain't getting no love right now because he's in the news as brother a love. bombshell lawsuit that I have printed right here from Cassie Ventura. Yikes. I want to do a disclaimer at the top of this first by saying that we do not have any acknowledgement of details of any of the claims. I, I have a problem with people that just don't say the woman's name correctly. Like they're saying her stage name and then they're saying her real last name, which is like pretty stupid. It's Cassandra Ventura, a.k.a. Cassie. You can say it like that. All right. Just saying this or in all the others that have come out but you know they say where there's a smoke there's a fire and baby diddy house is on fire diddy is now and had remains a trending topic while facing several sexual assault and abuse cases now (laughs) what jump-started all of this was when a civil lawsuit was filed by his ex-girlfriend and former bad boy artist cassie this is a photo of them back in the day during happier times good now Diddy and Cassie were that power couple, although he had most of the power because he was legendary producer, executive artist. He discovered some of the biggest artists in the world until this lawsuit got filed. Cassie sent shockwaves through the world due to Beyonce's bleach skin internet. Allegedly, alleged that after meeting Diddy in 2020, uh, 2005, he allegedly began a pattern of control and abuse that included supplying her with drugs, beating her, and forcing her to have a sex with a succession of male prostitutes while he filmed the encounters. This is why I hate people that I got to talk about. And she I'm not friends money. with him, so let me start by saying we're not friends. We don't text on the phone. I have his number. I have access to him, and we follow each other on social media. And he's been a big supporter of Hollywood Unlocked and gave us a deal that I'm grateful for, but I have to do my job, and I know he understands that. A few years ago, I was in New York having lunch with a friend. So wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. He used to work for Diddy? Okay, this is different. Okay, this is different. Now. Even to the extent of bodyguards, security guards, um... Hell, kitchen staff, <clears throat> kitchen staff. These people speak up. People go, okay, 
that's noteworthy. Or if they say certain things, even if it's true, they say certain things that's true or certain things that's connected, they're going to still kind of play it off like, oh, okay, this is the kitchen staff worker. Even now, <clears throat> it's just a spectacle with these bodyguards now. See, now Gene Dill is talking about other things about Diddy. So now it's kind of becoming petty. Now the whole situation is pretty petty. And I called it. I said, if enough oversaturated shit about Diddy comes out, it's, it's just going to be... People will eventually forget about this. And I know women are going to feel some type of way that I say this, but why do you still got people like R. Kelly and their music still being played? Guys like R. Pe R guy, a guy like R. Kelly, they still playing his shit on the radio. And these white boys behind the scenes, they still cutting the check. They get money from those. R. Kelly ain't getting that. Oh, he gone. He locked up. He gone. He locked up. They still play that shit out there in the radio. My body calling. I can hear it calling me. <laughs> they still playing the pedophile on the radio. And these stank hoes. Lord have mercy. These stank hoes still be out here jamming to it. Absolutely despicable. Basura. I'm not gonna say his name, but you know who you are. He says to me, "Yo, this industry crazy," and he's a model. And I was saying, "Well, tell me, like, what do you mean? Like, what's the craziest thing you've ever seen?" Uh oh. Uh oh. He says to me, "Allegedly." Allegedly. Uh oh. I was hanging out with Diddy and Cassie once, oh. and he wanted me to fuck her and had me. Rubbing all on her and, and like kissing her and like doing sexual things with her while he watched. And I'm like, right play with herself and filmed it. Stick it and right I... in his butt. Stick it right in his butt. Stick it right in his butt. I have to tell you, I went off. You're a clout chaser. Stick it right in his butt. Like, this is why I don't fuck but. with y'all because y'all, this. Stick it right know, in his butt. Like, and I basically Woody said to my friend. Yo, you are wild for saying something like this. And in my mind, I was like, I can't trust this person anymore. And I stopped really hanging with the person because I felt like this Booty is a wars. model who was a part of the whole Sean John world who just oh, is looking shit. for, you know, a way into being a conversation with Hollywood Unlocked because people talk to me like Hollywood Unlocked. Page two of the lawsuit alleges that he raped Miss Ventura in her own home after she tried to leave him. Often punched, beat, kicked, and stomped Miss Ventura, resulting in bruises, burst lips, black eyes, and bleeding. Blew up a man's car, who we later learned was Kid Cudi. Uh, after he learned that he was romantically <laughs> interested in Ventura, Miss Ventura forced her to engage in sex acts with male sex workers while masturbating and filming. <clears throat> <clears throat> There was a video I posted some time ago where I was taking a picture with Diddy in his house and people were saying that they thought we looked like lovers because he was whispering in my ear. What he was whispering in my ear was, don't ever play me with no messy shit because I'm not the one. And it was a threat. Whoa, 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 allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Yo. This at 30 money. <laughs> 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 
Yo, stop. Yo, hold up. I got to bring that back. This is that dirty money. Interested in Ventura, Ms. Ventura forced her to engage in sex acts with male sex workers while masturbating and filming. Oh my God. It's the dirty money. There was a video I posted some time ago where I was taking a picture with Diddy in his house and people were saying that they thought we looked like lovers because he was whispering in my ear. What he was whispering in my ear was, don't ever play me with no messy shit because I'm not the one. This and it was a money. And I just, you know, I had been drinking. You know me, Rob. I've been shot. I'm out here in the streets. But, you know, shit can really go down. I just said, nigga, do you want to take the picture or not? And we took the picture. We all know the whole story with Keefe D. Then there's rumors that he had something to do, I'll say allegedly, allegedly. with Biggie dying. So I think this is the beginning of a lot of shit that's going to come out. When Justin, his son, got the DUI, his other baby mom, Misa Hilton, who's a icon in the fashion Stop. industry. Yo. Yo, this man trying to get clapped, bro. This man trying to get clapped out here, man. Damn, son. This nigga's tweaking. Yo. <laughs> this is the dirty money. She said, everybody better stand the fuck down because I know where all the bodies are buried. You don't want to fuck with me. That Whoa. Then we know Kim Porter died as baby mom, and they said he has something to do with that. Not saying he did because we all love Kim Porter. This lawsuit is crazy. And Diddy might be crazy, too. I remember back in the day, I'm not going to say a celebrity because I throw my friends under the bus, I get in trouble. But they went to a Christmas party at another record industry person's house and said Damn, that that Christmas. person said that Diddy. They went to a holiday freak. Yo, I told y'all this exists. They went to a holiday freak off. Not the holiday freak off. Not the Valise Navidad freak off. Was the devil. That's what they said. Now, the lawsuit goes on to allege that there's lots of drugs involved and that he kept her drunk and locked up in, in, locked up in this uh, 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 psychosis of drug and alcohol. So she was living in a trance, just going along, doing all the things that Diddy wanted to do. Jeez. And afraid to leave. But if you blew up somebody's car, just who liked you, wouldn't you be afraid to leave too? It makes me not want to drive anymore. Uber everywhere. Now, she's saying that in 2018. Stop playing. They get Diddy. Diddy get the, uh, yo, stop, bro. Yo, cut it out. Diddy fuck around, pay the Uber driver to off you, man. Stop. Diddy, Diddy fuck around, get the Uber driver to clap you. Nigga, stop it, man. Did what? This that dirty money. All right, let's keep going. When the relationship was on its way out, Diddy allegedly forced his way into her home and raped her. Whoa, whoa, allegedly. whoa. Yeah, now, yeah, Diddy's lawyer, yeah, yeah. It's the only nigga that I heard say allegedly. A homosexual. The only nigga. Out of all people. Think about that. Everybody else, they just jumped out the window with this shit. He did this. He did that. No allegedly. Oh, y'all brave. Y'all must got cake. Either you're a cat with nine lives. Or you just got money to burn. But yeah.
this nigga protected his word. Everything. Saying that the claims uh, that she said in her $30 million lawsuit was full of outrageous allegations. <laughs> but just a day later, after this broke, it all went away because she, it was settled. Now I'm hearing streets that was between twenty and twenty-five million dollars. Mm-hmm. Twenty-five million in one day. That ain't happening if ain't nothing happening. You know he's not getting the Sirocklin anymore because they sued him. And he got into a big fight with Ciroc. So that $50 million a year hasn't been coming in, at least for the last year. And then he lost AT&T Dreaming Black because they woke up and said they don't want to dream in black with him no more. <laughs> and then the true T is Revolt did not renew our show or couldn't renew our show because they didn't have the money to do it. Oh. Well, here's a photo of Cassie and Diddy's statements following the resolution of whatever caused them to get here that's in the paperwork a day later. Take a look. Statement from Cassie. I've decided to resolve this matter amicably on terms that I have some level of control. I want to thank my family, fans, and lawyers for their unwavering support. Diddy said, we've decided to resolve this matter amicably. I wish Cassie and her family all the best. Love. And then a statement from Douglas, the counsel for Miss Ventura, says, I'm very proud of Miss Ventura for having the strength to go public with a lawsuit. She ought to be committed for doing so. He paid her off to go away. But it's not going away because here we are talking about it again because more things have come forward. Diddy's lawyer issued a follow-up, making it clear that by settling, this doesn't mean that there's any guilt. This is what the attorney for Diddy said. He said, uh, and this Ben Braffman, just so we're clear, a decision to settle a lawsuit, especially in 2023, is in no way admission of wrongdoing. Mr. Combs' decision to settle the lawsuit does not in any way undermine his flat-out denial of the claims. He is happy they got a mutual settlement and wishes Ms. Ventura the best. And Diddy was then hit with another lawsuit. And then that lawsuit accused him of drugging and raping a female college student. I'm going to say allegedly. Allegedly. In 1991. Now, Diddy's lawyer said this last minute lawsuit is purely a money grab and nothing more. Well, some would argue that Cassie opened the door for people to come forward. Kid Cudi did also come out and say that his car was blown up. So he did validate what she said. And there were a lot of other people, including a bodyguard who's now come forward. Now, the third accuser came out saying that uh, Diddy and singer-songwriter Aaron Hall took turns raping her and a friend in 1990. Now, a rep from Diddy claimed that after the third accuser's claims, Diddy's now being unfairly targeted by anonymous accusers of abusing the Adult Survivors Act for financial gain. Then another Diddy associate, former Bad Boys President Hart Pierre. Now, this was the man that was running Bad Boy. This was the Bad Boy, apparently, because he was sued for allegedly grooming and harassing and sexually assaulting his assistant on multiple occasions in New York City and other locations throughout the country. Now, here's a photo of Diddy with Harv. Now, they were hand-to-hand. Harv was the president of Bad Boy. He was the Bad Boy leader. Well, now he's also uh, in the running for leading on charges because he's been hit with one. Now, despite Diddy denying his assault allegations, several of his former assistants have shown support to Cassie, including uh, uh, Kesha uh, and Danny DeCane uh, singers, uh, Aubrey O'Day and Don Richard. Andy was... And Aubrey O'Day been talking shit about Diddy for a long time. Aubrey O'Day is coming on the Jason Lee show, by the way. Well, Azalea Banks even co-signed Cassie's abuse claims, revealing that there was an alleged incident that involved her. Now, this is what uh, Azalea said. 
This is true. One time, Diddy beat her up so bad, he sent her on a three-week vacation to Hawaii just so no one would see her question how her face got like that. That was about Diddy and Cassie. Um, now, she went on to say another violent hip-hop homosexual. This is what mental illness looks like for all of you armchair psychologists. But when I scream and shouted to you about how fucked up these men in the industry are fucking listen to me. Since these allegations, Diddy's world is falling apart. Uh, Macy's is taking Sean John out the store. By the way, we didn't like it anyway. I only wore that shit when I was fat because I couldn't fit nothing else. But, you know, there was a time where Sean John was a, a nice brand. But, you know, black designer, you still don't want to see a black designer go down, but y'all can't be doing dumb shit. Well, anyway, um, after 20 years, Macy's has phased it out. Damn. The founder and head of Capital Preparatory Charter Schools in Harlem where Diddy's schools are, has also ended their partnership with Diddy, along with Diddy temporarily stepping down as chairman of Revolt TV. So is this the end of Diddy? Is this the, is the Diddy era over? Yes. Yes? Yes. So you can't come back from it. It's too much. The level of abuse is just, it's, it's beyond reproach. Like, you can't come back from it. You know what's sad is in this show, we've had multiple stories about black men abusing women. Um, black man do better. <laughs> but even then, he was cheating. You know what's crazy? I'm, I'm glad I came back just in time, and I'm glad I wasn't listening to this beforehand, or else I would have probably stopped it. Most of the things he was talking about, anything, uh, I mean, most of the things he was talking about anyway, was things that are already brought out, mostly by academics. But apparently, this is the guy who was close or close enough or who's gotten close enough to Diddy. And you can take that however you would want to take it or interpret it however you want to interpret it. But, uh, yeah. A gay man telling black men to do better is like a butch lesbian telling feminine women to be more feminine. You see what I'm saying? Like, that doesn't make much sense, but Whatever. Um, it's one twelve. I would add this and say that this is just a segment, but why do that, right? We can just continue. We can just continue with the fuckery, the horse shit, and we're gonna do that. Cause it was something I heard that I'm that I'm listening to. I think it was a, a Hassan Campbell on Clubhouse. I'm gonna start listening to that when I go to work anyway, so I might as well go do that right away. Go through that right away. Alright. Uh Hassan Campbell confronts Bullets Gotti. This is another guy um on these YouTube streets. Right? So yeah. I just want to play like a quick piece of this because when I go into work, I'm just gonna continue to listen to it. <laughs> So by the time I go into work, you know, I'll still be playing this. I'll get ready to pull off to go to work in like 10 minutes. And I'm just going to be holding my phone, recording the audio. And then when I pull up, you know, continue to talk about it. We're only like over 30, what, 35, 35 minutes, 40 seconds. All right. Yeah, we can go over this. Hassan Camel, Vintage. Hassan Campbell, old Hassan Campbell, crashing out, going in, 
on a Bullets Gotti. All right. This is just bonus material right here. Outside of the internet, outside of the internet, where, is the, where, where the fuck is the nigga? Where the guns at, my nigga? Outside, <laughs> my nigga. I'm yo, outside yo, yo, stop. The crash outs continue. <sighs> I mean, honestly, realistically, I could have just played this. Matter of fact, you know what? Nah, 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 nah. This is it. I'm going to stop this for now. I'm going to do another brief episode that will be probably like 45 minutes long. And I think I'll use that and incorporate that along with what I did with this episode uh, when I go into work. All right. I'm I'm sorry. I got to leave y'all with a cliffhanger. I'm going to have to bring this back. And do another episode of this. Because this is worthy of another episode in itself. Um, But as I always say. In the meantime. And in between time. And until next time. A.K.A. after I'm done recording this. Jersey Judah. With another episode. Another edition. Of the Crimson Capsule Chapel. Signing out. Peace.